0: Fantastic. Thanks for uh, having me here. My name is Jeff Torrens. I'm the City Director for uh, International Student Ministries Canada. Uh, Basically, I'm a missionary for TRU, so I go and talk to international students at TRU. Uh, Who I work for is called ISMC, International Student Ministries Canada. What we do is called Focus Club. Focus Club meets on Fridays where we uh, provide a meal for all of the international students uh, we get to hang out. We get to meet new people from all over the world. We provide a Bible study for them and do our best to look after uh, all of their needs. Uh, so uh, what? this seems like the, the day of announcements. I got an announcement for you. Uh, one last thing I wanted to share with you before we get started is we're having just a, uh, our only fundraiser of the year is our Focus Club Dessert Night. It's on Friday night, November the 25th. Here, tickets are $10, uh, and all the funds go towards our operational fund where we get to do stuff for students uh, here in Caleb. So there's going to be tickets and students at the back for that. So I just appreciate uh, your supporting us in that way. Uh, this is also International Sunday where we get to celebrate uh, where everybody's from and the diversity that exists in this church. So as such, if you were not born in Canada, if you were not born in Canada, stand up. Let's see. there's a few that's great we're great uh, grateful that you could be here with us uh, to celebrate with us and this is what church looks like nowadays uh, in our country it's wonderful thank you guys for being here have a seat how many of you hands up remember Dan and Ann Geddert I replaced Dan so I've got some big shoes uh, to Phil, in case this is a little secret, in case you didn't know, we used to call him Bald Eagle. <clears> then <throat> now I can pick on him because he's not here. Uh, they're living in Red Deer, uh, and they wanted to give this update. This is what's going on in their lives. Uh, I talked to Dan last night. This is what he says. Uh, Dan's in the interview process for an opportunity to equip and mobilize churches across Canada to embrace international students with a national ministry organization, and he hopes to formally communicate his acceptance of that position in the next few weeks. So if you could please keep on praying for them. I know there's not a whole lot of detail in there, uh, but things are moving forward for them. So we just appreciate that you keep them in mind. Hands up if you like pizza. Depends on the toppings, just pizza, man. Hands up if you like chocolate. That's a little bit more popular. I got one that might be up in the air here. Hands up if you love liver and onions. There's a few. There's a few. First time I had liver, I, I was eating it, and I looked at my mom and said, Mom, I love this. It's great, except for the taste. <laughs> How many of you like movies? Hands up. How many of you love books? How many of you love books more than movies? Awesome. There's this misused four-letter word called love that we use to describe how we feel about certain things. This is the same way we'd say, I hate carrots, or my kids, Justin and Joe, say, I hate eggs, even though they eat eggs and everything. We misuse this idea of Love. Love is not a feeling. If it's not a feeling, what is it? And what does it mean for us today? I wanted to say thanks to my wife who's sitting up here. Uh, I get to do things like this because of her and because of my kids. So I just, uh, every time we get up front, I like to acknowledge uh, that I am who I am lots because of her. I get to do what I do because of her. Uh, this church has been teaching through 1 Corinthians 13, uh, talking about one body, one soma. And I get the privilege of talking about 1 Corinthians 13. And I call it the love chapter. Uh, we, I, I do a lot of weddings, uh, and I always find myself going back to this chapter because it encapsulates a lot about what's going on in that day. Everybody at a wedding is happy uh, and excited, and there's lots of feelings for sure. But in addition to that, there's Commitments being made. There's promises being spoken. Uh, There's uh, people dedicating their lives to each other. It's so much more. And this love chapter seems to uh, wrap all that up nicely for us. Uh, In the very beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul says church is a community moving towards being united in mind and in thought. The Christians in Corinth had a difficult time getting along. They mistreated all kinds of things, including each other. They they messed up the Lord's Supper. They misunderstood the gifts of the Spirit. They treated each other poorly. They were focusing on using spiritual gifts, superior spiritual insight, uh, faith miracles. They were comparing each other's generosity. They were talking about uh, how hard self-flagellation, how much pain they could take physically and boasting about it. Upon here, if I speak in the tongues of men, that's just an example of what they were talking about. Or angels, but do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, something else that they were misusing. and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith, that can move mountains. They were comparing each other's faith as an example. But do not have love. I am nothing. I give all I possess to the poor. They were Competing about who's the most generous in this in this church, uh, or give my body over to hardship that I may boast, and that's the key word. They were boasting about it, but do not have love. I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Paul says that none of these things profits a community without love. They were like a sports team, only concerned with personal achievement rather than organizational success. So Paul writes this letter, this 1 Corinthians, as a blast against them, letting them know that much of what they're doing and competing against is decidedly unChristian. There is little to distinguish themselves as a contrast community. Pastor Harry talked about, uh, in the past, mutual concern for all. That's a function of love. Pastor Dave talked about using our spiritual gifts appropriately for the common good. That's a function of love. Love ought to be the oil that greases this church. Love ought to be the oil that greases this holy community. Love ought to be the oil that greases this holy body. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, we'll get to this in the next couple of weeks, but just in case... You missed it. Paul wraps it up nicely and says this. Do everything in love. That's the message to the believers in Corinth. And just as lifting weights is the most excellent way to build your body, doing everything in love is the most excellent way of building God's body. The famous movie entitled Rocky. Anybody heard that one? There's a boxer named Rocky Balboa and he describes his relationship with his wife. Adrienne. He says, I got gaps. And she got gaps. But together, we got no gaps. (laughs) Love fills the gaps so that this body of believers, this church, has no gaps. Let me read. 1 Corinthians 13 for you. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and cannot fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it is not rude it is not self-seeking it does not it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes and always perseveres love never fails but where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The mission for International Student Ministries Canada is love students unconditionally. I consider it a great privilege to be able to speak to love uh, and, and live this mission out in my life. Having read that passage, one commentator says this. He says, we can take the name of Jesus and replace the word love with the name of Jesus. And this is what it would look like. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking, nor is he easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. This is the kind of love that's to define the body of Christ, to define this church. It's what I want to call extraordinary love. It's a love that compels us as believers to respond differently what do I mean when I say believer? This Is this what a believer is? A believer believes in Jesus Christ. A believer believes in God, and Jesus was God with skin on, who lived and walked on planet earth and willingly died for my sin upon the cross, was raised to life in a factual, historical resurrection event, and now awaits my time with him in heaven. And as these type of believers, we are compelled to respond differently. Respond differently to what? Respond differently to everything. Now, this is true that God is love. First, John 4 eight says, whoever does not love God, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love, but love is not God. There's a famous Beatles song out there. All you need is Da, 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 da. All you need is... All right. The world teaches all you need is love. The Bible teaches all you need is Jesus. If love is God, then we can justify the idea of just following my heart. I'm just following my heart. I'm just following my heart when I don't get up early in the morning and go to work because I don't want to i just follow in my heart when I don't feel like praying for a needy friend because that makes me uncomfortable. i am just follow in my heart when I'd rather stay at home and instead of going to TRU and meeting another student. Our world serves the God of love, where love accepts everything, where love has become the supreme judge and justification of all things. We do what we feel like. One commentator says the standard idea of how can God judge me if I'm only follow in my heart. He says that's actually idolatrous. God will judge us for making our hearts and for making love a God before him. Love is not the supreme judge and justification of all things. The God of Exodus chapter 20 is. We need to do what is right and don't justify sin in the name of love. I got a great quote I think wraps this up nice. Paul will argue that love is an action, not an emotion. The kind of love that Paul will talk about is seen and experienced and demonstrated. This is contrary to our culture that honors personal feelings above almost everything. We do what we want, when we want, because we feel like it. And if we don't feel like it, we don't do it. Yet in this passage I'm struck, the complete absence of any stress on personal feelings love is not a feeling but it is a worthy action a long time ago there was a band called DC talk my wife told me not to talk about this (laughs) but it had had a song that illustrates the the idea of what love is perfectly Uh, the song was called love is a verb Anybody remember that one? Yeah, a certain age group remembers that one. Love is an action word. Josh McDowell says love is first of all an action, an unconditional commitment, a promise that is never broken. In John 14, it looks like this. Jesus replied, anybody who loves me will do this. They will obey my teaching. My father will love them and I will come with them. And make our home with them. Anybody who does not love me will not do this. They will not obey my teaching. Those words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Love is something that we do. If you love, then it looks like this obedience to God. If you don't love, then it's the absence of that action. Well, so what? That's nice. Paul tells the Corinthians that their understanding of all of these things that they were arguing over and boasting about, they're trivial. And you're fighting over them like like having a two-year-old tantrum. You're childish in your understanding, so it's time to put these issues and your petty competitions behind you. You know what? We may not see perfectly right now, but we will when Christ returns. And until then, operate with love. Love is a command, John fifteen seventeen. It's not just any kind of love either. It's this is extraordinary love. extraordinary love demonstrated to us by Jesus himself. This is the love of 1 Corinthians 13. Extraordinary love is just that. It's, it's extra ordinary. It takes a little extra time. It takes a little extra effort takes a little extra resources. The difference between ordinary pizza love and extraordinary love is just that it's a little bit extra. Extraordinary love is sponsoring a refugee family. You know sometimes many times we get it right. Extraordinary love is loving your enemies and doing good to those who hate you. I've always said that the Christian faith is not for the faint of heart. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you, but love your enemies. Do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. That's no ordinary love. The demand is upon us to be extraordinary with it. Extraordinary love is loving your neighbor. I used to be a youth pastor in town part-time at a church in Brocklehurst. And I don't know about you, but I never spent a whole lot of time in the North Shore up until that point. And I would used to drive over there, first working there, and I'd be totally lost in Brock. There's a lot of streets in North Canterbury. And I was unfamiliar with. Uh, And here I thought I knew my city. What I realized is how little time I actually spent there, even just driving around. And yet I had an impression of the place. and it It wasn't a favorable impression of the North Shore. What it suggested to me was that people like me who I like to think of myself as inclusive and loving and understanding and well-educated. Perhaps I don't know my own neighbors, any community nearly as well as I'd like to be. Extraordinary love requires us to love our neighbors. It's a, it's a tall order. Extraordinary love is investing and engaging in prayer and study in the word of God for better understanding, for better living, and, you know, the, the rebellious part of me wants to say, well, how long is that going to take? Love doesn't care how long it takes. Instead of saying, I don't need to understand all that theological Christian stuff, I just want to be somebody who loves Jesus. Imagine answering to God when he asks you, why didn't you engage in my revealed word more deeply? And my only answer is, oh, that was too hard. Extraordinary love is worshiping, no matter what type of song they play. Uh, This chapter 13 and 12 and 14, in the context of it's really talking about orderly worship, how to do it. And the foundational principle of worship is this. This is the idea behind it, is that worship is not about me. Love is not about me. The greatest issue before us is not our worship form, but our love. Love seeks not its own. I don't know if you know the, the inner workings of what it's like to be a, a worship pastor, but my wife's been a worship pastor, uh, and it is, it's a difficult job. Uh, you've got all kinds of people from all over the world here, uh, and what you have to do is put a service together that speaks to all of them, Uh, in styles that they can recognize and introduce maybe a new song that will be catchy enough for them to be able to sing it in the future, all the while not making a mistake on your instrument. And yeah, you've got about 12 minutes to accomplish that. Pastor Dave and all the worship volunteers uh, here at the church, they make it work. You know it better than that. They make it amazing. They do an admirable job of hitting uh, all the generations, of bridging the gaps, uh, uh, of allowing us to have memorable moments with God. So I don't know if Dave is here, uh, but if you've been a a member of a worship team in any way, shape, or, or form, if you've been a worship team member up on the stage, I'd like you to stand up right now. If you've ever sung up here or played up here, there he is, stand up right now. Uh, And an appreciation of the work that they do, because it's not just today. Uh, Please give them a hand. (laughs) Extraordinary love prohibits us to continue in wrong thinking and wrong acting. It's just as if things, you know, this is just business as usual. No, it's not. The boss who is overbearing, Christian, it's your job to approach them. In love. Love does not mean do nothing. I think in fact it means the opposite. You've got to do something. Extraordinary love compels you and me to be a better team player. You and I will do more for people that we care about than we'll ever do for ourselves. I mean, I'd do more for my kids than I'd ever do for myself. What wouldn't I do for my family? Imagine if we could be a, a contrast community where the first response is, what wouldn't I do for you guys? Wouldn't the team's contribution multiply your own ability to love? I think it would. Extraordinary love is stepping into an abusive relationship. A 2016 report uh, came out just recently, within the last week on the state of public health, it came up with these findings. And this is for our country, a country that I love, a country that I consider... Extremely non-violent. This is the newest information. Every day, just over 230 Canadians are reported as victims of family violence. Every day. In 2014, this is reported stats. Almost 58,000 girls and women were victims of family violence. 58. In Canada, every four days, a woman is killed by a family member. Population surveys tell us that a third of Canadians, nine million people in our country, have reported experiencing abuse before they were 15 years old. Nine million. Every day, eight seniors are victims of family violence. There's room for love in our world. Extraordinary love is an absolute and fundamental need in our country and in our world. John 13:35 says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Extraordinary love compelled the creator of the universe to give his one and only son, That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. His life, given in exchange for mine, is the most extraordinary love of all. You see, love is patient with impatient people. God is patient with impatient people. Love is kind towards unkind people. God is kind toward the unkind. Love is not envious. It's not boastful or proud. Love protects. God protects. Love rejoices with honesty. God is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Love trusts as God trusts, even when we don't trust him. Love hopes, it perseveres. It never fails. God never fails because he is a God of hope. Let me finish with this. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you've not experienced this extraordinary love of God, why not today? If you want to experience that, or start a relationship with Jesus for the first time or rekindle a relationship with Jesus, talk to Pastor Dave. Talk to anybody that's on the stage that you see or Pastor Harry. And if God's extraordinary love for you is familiar and welcome, and today is just a a friendly reminder for you, and I want to settle here for a second and ask you this, where does love come from? Where does love come from? And who is your ultimate source of love in your life? The great love of God forgives our sin, changes our lives, and takes us places We never would have imagined. I want you to remember when God loved you in your life. So often we forget. I want you to soak in that for a little bit until God's love overflows in your life so that you can't help but pass it on. We've got a a peppy song. But before that, let me pray with you. God, the world is here in this room in so many ways. Uh, Hopefully all of us in some way, shape, or form has experienced your love. If not, God, I pray that we would take the steps necessary to meet you and to love you back as best we can. God, I praise you for this church, for the leadership here, For our friends here, for all of the international students that attend here, for my team, for the team that we get to work with, God, it's a tremendous privilege to love people alongside them. God, may it be the signature act of us as believers to love this day, in Jesus' name.